The Paul Kaharski Podcast is brought to you by Yazoo Brewing Company, a Nashville original since 2003. Welcome into the Paul Kuharski Podcast, brought to you as always by Yazoo, uh, the finest beer in Nashville. They've got something for everybody, and you'll find them in all the finest uh, bars around and in the refrigerators of all the finest uh, grocery stores and, and uh, liquor stores around. Be sure to have some this summer. They've got something for everybody, as I said. Uh, you can't go wrong drinking Yazoo. Pleased to be joined this week by Nate Washington, uh, a rare bird in the NFL who signed a six-year contract with the Tennessee Titans and played six years with the Tennessee Titans. A free agent feat that is rarely accomplished. Do you ever think about that, Nate? That's very unusual. Uh yeah, I actually think about that a lot lately. You know, um, it was nothing that I really was able to acknowledge while I was doing it. But, you know, being being done now and recognizing and understanding how the business go of, of the league, you know, is definitely something that was beneficial to be in Nashville for the full six years. Um, the organization uh, just stood behind me. And I did everything that I could to prove them right. You know, uh, they gave me a chance and they stuck with me. And it's not, it's rare that it happens, but, you know, uh, as you said, you know, looking back at it, it's definitely something that is gratifying for me. Started off in Pittsburgh, 05 to 08, signed with the Titans in 09, played in Nashville through 2014, finished up with the season um, in Houston. He's on Twitter uh, and a friendly interactor on Twitter at nwash 85 uh, and you can find out about his foundation at number spelled out 85.org. What's the biggest change in the game, Nate? You've only been out, uh, what you, you finished in 2015. What, uh, do, do you watch the NFL now and think there's been some dramatic change in, in receiver play and cornerback play already, or is it still the same game you played? Well, I'll say this, you know, obviously the rules are changing dramatically. Uh, you got the new rule being implemented this year with the opportunity of pass interference calls to be reviewed at the end of the game and those type of things. So that definitely creates a change. But, you know, just as far as the gameplay of the, of the, the, the guys itself, the body types, it's still pretty much the same. You know, these guys are going out and perfecting their crafts doing everything that they can to uh, advance the game in itself is, is definitely turned into a pass-happy league. So both impl- uh, indications on both the receivers and the corners are definitely becoming much more uh, greater on those guys. You know, those guys are, are definitely being put under a little more spotlight to make a little more opportunity in plays. You know, I remember a time when I first came in, you know, as you said, I came in in the Pittsburgh um, so the, our for our thought was always run first. You know, our, our run set up for our pass. You know, and a lot of times now you look at these teams, they come out in four or five wides, you know, and that's all they do. You know, you got you have quarterbacks that are throwing the ball 40, 50, 60 times a game. So uh, I, I, being a guy that has been in offices that we maybe came out of games that maybe we had about 30, 35 throws a game, you know, off play action and those type of things. These guys are having the opportunity to go out and make some plays, but it's, also putting the uh, the the pressure on the defensive backs as well to adjust to the game. You know they they aren't allowed to be as aggressive and and hands on as they used to. A lot of refs are paying attention to those things and allowing the game to kind of uh, go in the direction of high scoring. You know that's what the fans want to see, and that's what the league is providing. Are we going to see a receiver turn after every single incomplete pass and signal his coach to throw <laughs> the flag? I think so, actually. I think so. It's going to be, 
definitely a hard time for the coaches to to decipher whether they should be able to, you know, uh, review that penalty or not. You know, a lot of these guys are going to swear up and down that they're being held and they're not, but a lot of these guys are going to have definitely a a point to make, you know. So hopefully these coaches uh, have the discernment to understand the game and the direction of the calls that are going and understand how they can use it to their advantage. You, um, I don't think you were tuned in, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were tuned into Twitter and you saw mm-hmm. uh, Midday 180 tweeting about mm-hmm. our hour and a half conversation with Steve Watterson last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you tweeted uh, about him, very heartfelt about, uh, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong about the phrasing, but you said he, he, he basically helped you save your career. Yeah, uh, man, it was, it was definitely a time, you know, uh, especially, you know, going through the tough seasons that we had during my tenure in Tennessee, you know, and hearing so much of the fan base and their understanding of our organization at the time. And, you know, I wasn't on social media at the time, but I definitely was aware of the media media protocol and, and the stipulations and expectations of the team and the things that were going on. So it was definitely a time where, you know, it was up and down. You know, I had good days and bad uh, some days where I questioned my ability and some days where I felt like I was the best player on the field. So to have a guy in Steve Watterson that I can go into his office and close the door, it allowed me to focus on the things that I needed to focus on at that time. One of those things were f- that I needed to focus on was definitely being a, uh, a better person in the weight room. And he stood behind me. He did everything he could, you know, to push me in the right direction. He was patient with me. Uh, he gave me insight and uh intel that i probably would have never received at that time from the front office or from a coaching staff point of view that would have helped me advance my thinking on what i needed to do to stick around the league a little longer and he as i said just as 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 much as he poured into me the information that i needed he was just as patient you know so it it allowed me to go in there and believe in myself every every day even more you know to have a guy that i knew actually seeing my progress, actually appreciated the things that I brought to the table, actually appreciated the growth that I had throughout that time as a young man becoming a prominent leader on the team. You know, it definitely was something that I needed. You know, a guy that was not going to overlook my progress, but actually be proud of my progress, but know that, you know, I still have so much more to give. He was a guy that I, I definitely could turn to at that time. How much stronger or more flexible or be as specific as you can, give us an example of some kind of gain you made under his watch that was uh, had a direct bearing on your career, your production. Well, I think uh, the main – out of all the things you said, you know, he, he was definitely a flexibility guy. He was definitely a strength guy. But the, th- the main thing that he was able to address with me was just my hand strength. You know, it was so many different things – that we started to implement into my Friday routine before the Sunday, the games on Sunday that I would do, you know, by myself with him or with Jason at the time um, in direction of Steve that gave me an opportunity to understand that, you know, while I was becoming stronger, faster, more flexible in my body, the main thing that I needed to focus on as a receiver was creating more hand strength, you know, and I think those things allow me to, catch the ball better it allowed me to be more confident in and attacking the ball and it gave me an opportunity to also see what else I could put into my game that would take me to a next level I don't think um at that time of my career I don't think I could have probably gotten any faster 
uh, being a little older at the time. So the things that I had to pay attention to were the little things. I had to make sure that I was more confident in attacking the ball and making sure that when the ball came in, no matter where it was at, I was able to attack it with my hands and not my body. And that was something that Steve implemented with me. Um, about what kind of things, kind of things did you do that to strengthen your hand? I know he comes up oh, with all kinds of unique stuff. Yeah, man. We used to have a – actually, we used to have a uh, – a solid block weight that was like a, a cylinder. And we, I used to flip it and catch it with one hand, flip it and catch it with the other hand. I used to drop it and try to catch it before it hit the ground. I used to, uh, you know, do different type of organ um, uh, exercises with this, with this solid. Uh, How much you think it weighed? I weighed 30 pounds, I think at the time. So it was, it was definitely heavy, um, but it was something that I was under control with something that, that was going to make me work, but also give me the ability to throw it around a little bit to implement the finger strength. Um, we also did certain things with like newspapers where I would have to crumple up newspapers in a certain direction uh, from the ground and using those finger strength type of things. It was, it was uh, that the, the grips that we would use, um, uh, the multi-hand grips that we would use. It was so many things. I would do like five different exercises every Friday to just try to strengthen my hands and be, have them prepared for Sunday. I didn't look to count how many of the multiple wide receiver coaches that have passed through here, passed through during your six years, but who was the best during your time? Who, who had the biggest influence on you? I had some great coaches during my time from the beginning of coach um, Graves, you know, to coach Dave Ragone to a lot of those guys, you know, that, that passed through that, that, um, receiver room at that time, they all cared about us genuinely. But Sean Jefferson, you know, he he took it to a whole nother level. He he wasn't just worried about the football player Nate. He was worried about the man Nate. You know, and I and I'm not saying that those guys prior to him weren't worried about me as a man. But at the same time, he just as much as Sean Jefferson expected the best out of us on the field, he expected the best out of us off the field. It didn't matter whether we were just with our families at home doing community service in the, in the, in the field of, of the streets in our communities or, you know, um, being, a, being a leader and someone that kids could look up to. You know, he never – it didn't matter, you know, how many yards we had sometimes. It mattered more to him how, what type of man we were off the field. And to this day, you know, me and Sean Jefferson still have a, a close relationship. I still talk to him a lot. And um, he, he showed me – what being a receiver was about. You know, I think we all come into this league with talent and an ability to play the game, obviously. That's the reason why, reason why we're there. But in the same sense, like, he took it to another level. It was the little things. Um, he showed me how to uh, set my feet up to get out my brakes more. He showed me the emphasis of showing um, this deceptive speed, you know, um, changing my speed to, to, to get a little bit of separation that would give me a better opportunity to catch the ball. He showed me what timing and landmarks were. He showed me what the importance of being in a, in a different split, you know, and, and working those splits to give a defensive back a different look, even on the same routes. You know, those were some things that he was able to give me because he was able, he played the game himself. So he's seeing it from a different perspective. He understood how difficult it was to go out and perform and he understood us. But at the same time, as much as he understood how difficult that, those things were, he always expected the best from us. He always expected us on a top-notch top level. He knew what we were capable of, and he would never accept anything less. You know, it were days that I remember, you know, we would go weeks of not talking to each other just because 
of our egos of knowing how we expected the game to look. And it was a respect type of, of, of separation. You know, he, he wouldn't talk to me because he wouldn't baby me. And I wouldn't talk to him because I just wanted to work, you know. So he, he understood us on a different level being that he played the game. He understood that, you know, just being a football player wasn't going to be good enough after the game. And he understood that taking us to the next level on the field was just as important as taking us to the next level off the field. In 2011, your your biggest year uh, here, the biggest year of your career, 74 catches, 1,023 yards, seven touchdowns. That 1,000-yard mark for a receiver in Tennessee is a big, big rarity. What was it about that year that allowed it to happen? Well, it was a lot. It was a lot that was going on. You know, I had a newborn daughter that was coming. Uh, my focus was different. I didn't want to take anything away from her and the opportunity that she was going to have to be able to see me play when she did become of age. Um, that was the, also the year that we had a lot of guys drop down. Uh, Kenny Britt towards ACL. Uh, there was just so many things that in within the organization that I knew that if I didn't show up and play the best of my ability and gave all that I had, that it could have looked really, really bad. And the only thing that I was focused on at the time was earning the respect of my, not only my peers, but the community that I was in. You know, I, I understood that we were going to go out and we were going to have some rough times, but as long as people seen me as a hardworking guy, then I can be okay with that. And that year I just decided that no matter what was going on around me, no matter what, you know, the circumstances looked like, that I was going to go out there and I was going to give 110%. And I actually was suffering from a high ankle sprain that year as well. But like I said, you know, with Kenny Britt being down and understanding that, you know, I was probably the only veteran guy in, in that on that offense at the time in that passing game that was going to give us the opportunity to make some quality plays and be reliable every single Sunday, I had no choice. You know, in my eyes, I had no choice but to go out there every single Sunday and leave it all on the field. And just by the grace of God, by working hard and just being okay with the the performance that I was able to put out there, you know, every single Sunday, it was my, the, the yards be kept accumulating. Um, I was able to do whatever I could at the time to help the team. You know, unfortunately, we didn't make it to the playoffs that year, but I think that was the year we went like nine and seven and we had a true chance to get into the playoffs. And we were all riding home from Houston, I think, that last game. And just reflecting on the, the couple of the games that we lost and the opportunities that we could have had. And I think that was probably the one year that we all band together as brothers and did everything that we could to try to put the, the best film on, on out there and do everything we could to put, get a win. You know, um, I think, like you said, it's, it's not it's, it's very rare for a receiver in, in the Tennessee Titans uh, to go over 1,000 yards, not only just because of the talent level, but also, you know, the, the Titans are much like the Steelers. You know, they're run first. They're a physical team. They want to set up the pass with the run. So it's it's difficult to go out there and, and come out of every single game with 100-plus yards or to come out of a season with 1,000-plus yards. So And I knew that. So my focus wasn't 1,000 yards. It was just making sure I seized every single opportunity that I had that year, and it just panned out that way. We'll take a short break here in our conversation with Nate Washington. This is Paul Kuharski podcast. If you're not a member of my site, you're missing out on the second half of this, where Nate is going to talk to us about that run first offense with Derrick Henry here and whether he thinks it works. If he thinks Marcus Mariota can be the long-term guy here, his thoughts on Arthur Smith, who started with the Titans 
2011 in the middle of Nate's time with the Titans. Mm-hmm. We'll run through the Titans receiving core from Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, Adam Humphreys all the way down. I got a good story from Logan Ryan about a two-minute drill they ran against each other in New England when Nate was in a training camp <laughs> with the Patriots that might make you a little bit uncomfortable, you the listener and Nate the uh, teller of the story. We'll talk about the Titans' consistent failure to develop wide receivers and what he saw go on from the inside. You're going to miss out on that if you're not a member. You're going to miss out on everything I write, contributions from Blake Bettingfield, uh, Periscope, and Facebook Live sessions that are for the membership only, all of which you could get at the cheap cost of $5.99 a month, what you pay for a fancy beer, a fancy cocktail, a fancy coffee. Uh, You could pay for 11 months and get 12 months. Uh, So I'd urge you to check out the membership options. If you are a member... Hold on for this brief pause. We'll be back with more with Nate Washington right after this. The Paul Kaharski Podcast is a joint production of paulkaharski.com and Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com. now.com.